So apparently we had a Corvette convention in our parking lot Friday night. Was that anybody in here? No? Anybody? Yeah, it was, it's for a turkey thing. So I don't know if that's you. Next time you have it, call me. I'll come over and you let me drive your Corvette. I promise I won't wreck it. Too bad. Um, again, uh, as, as, uh, as Patrick was saying, on the corner of the communion tables, there are maps to where the baptisms are today. Ooh, that's a little rickety table. I'm going to fall over. Um, so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to come, for one, and then uh, bring something to share. We're going to actually do like a big salad bar kind of thing, different types of salads and stuff. You're going to bring like uh, cookies to share, something to drink, maybe bread. I don't know, but cookies are always, you can't go wrong with cookies. Got lot, no, we don't need rolls. We've got rolls. So apparently cookies is the safe bet. <laughs> Whatever's left over, I'll just take home. It's too bad ice cream doesn't stay cold, you know. You know, Patty, with your hand, I always think you're asking a question because you're always like this with it. <laughs> we're doing, uh, last, last Wednesday night was our last night for our World Religions class that we were doing, and Patty sits like right there. And the whole time I'm talking, I'm like, yes, 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 and because she does this, because she's working at her. Not to point anybody out in the room or anything. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, tomorrow night is our final softball games of the season, so you guys are all invited if you want to. 6.30 and 9 o'clock, you can come. Hagerman Field right down the road here and watch us play softball, and hopefully we'll win because that would be awesome. All right, why don't you guys stand on the reading of God's Word. We'll get going here. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, which kind of goes along with today as well, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that we as your people would understand what it means to live as your people and all the practical ways that you have called us to live, uh, that we wouldn't over-spiritualize our lives or under-spiritualize our lives, but we would just do it the way you call us to do it and live for you because you are a great and good God. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. So we're doing this six-week series called Stuff. Last week, it was kind of funny, last service, like this whole center section was open. Nobody was even sitting there. I'm like, did somebody throw up or what? Or, and someone goes, no, it was that message last week. I'm like, oh, yeah. Maybe it's not so funny. But anyway, so we're doing this six-week series on stuff, on your stuff, and if you are controlled by your stuff or if you actually control the stuff that you have. Now, uh, today's message is probably going to maybe different than any message you've ever heard somebody give in a church, which is probably good for you. Uh, it's going to be very practical. Uh, scripture, far from being a book about just about spiritual affairs, it is very practical. It deals with issues of food and sex and life and love and friendship and finances and work. All of these things are in Scripture. Sometimes we view spirituality as being separate from our real life, but it is not. The Bible integrates everything together. So today, in our series on stuff, as our second week, we're going to talk about work. And if you work and go into the workforce, you will work an average of 100,000 hours at a job in your life. That's an enormous part of your life. So you would hope Scripture actually speaks to that, and it does, because Jesus is over all. Uh, your job should be part of God's work in the world that he does. And this is also what we call worship. Your job is part of your worship. Now, if you ask this question, what do you think God is doing right now? What is God doing? Working. 
God is working. God works. Genesis 1.31 tells you that God creates and He calls everything good, which means God works hard and God works well. In John 5.18 and 19, Jesus says, My Father has been working up until this day, and I am working also. So Jesus also works hard and well, as well as the Father. Genesis chapter 2 shows man was created for work, and it is good, and God intends us to work hard and work well. But in Genesis chapter 3, things get a little bit complicated because we rebel against God. We have this thing called the fall and now the ground is cursed and the ground fights against us. So it takes a lot of effort in order now for it to produce well. Christian thinking has been corrupted throughout the ages on this idea of work. It goes all the way back to this guy named Plato. Not like the stuff you get and you make cool little shapes out of, but there's this guy, his name is Plato, and he used to teach, as a Greek philosopher, taught there are two dimensions. There's a spiritual and a physical dimension. Uh, the phys- says the physical is not important and it's not very beneficial to people at all. The things that matter are the spiritual. He called this the world of the forms. It's all about your mind, the spiritual area. Now, this actually led to a thing called Gnosticism in the early church. And these people taught that God spoke special revelation to certain people and that food and pleasure and sex and work were all evil. Anything that required labor should be abandoned and only spiritual things mattered. And so parenting and friendship, those were physical things. They weren't spiritual things. And this was teaching a segregation that Scripture never, ever teaches. And this still has vestiges in our world today. Uh, you know, if, if you say to people, you know, if you're really spiritual, you know, what are you going to do? People will say, well, you go into full-time ministry if you're really spiritual. This actually led to a view in the church that the priesthood, you had these men, and they didn't ever get married, so they never had sex. They never ate good food. They didn't drink good drink. They didn't have any pleasure, and they were poor. They didn't own anything, and they were considered the most spiritual people. The Bible teaches it is a good thing to get married. It is a good thing to work a job. It is a good thing to have children. It is a good thing to work your responsibilities. God blesses you and I so that we'd be a blessing to the earth. Our life is never supposed to be detached from our spirituality. You know, even in churches today, you ask, what's the most holy job someone can have in a church? And people will say, be a pastor, be a pastor. The Bible doesn't teach that. That comes from Greek dualism. Uh, you know, most people are, are raised in youth groups. They're told if you're really serious about God, you're going to full-time ministry or be a missionary. That's not a problem if God calls you to be one of those things. But everyone who isn't one of those, are they, what, JV Christians? And only the, the ministers and the, and the people that are missionaries are varsity and, you know, everybody else is JV. Like the plumber isn't a godly man because he's not in Bible college. Seriously, I'll tell you, we need toilets. It is a very godly thing. If you are a believer, your job is holy simply because you do it. Men who take their craft seriously are doing a holy thing. Women who take their craft seriously are doing a holy thing. So today, we're going to cover, like I said, this idea of work and then how it also relates to money. Now, there are two opposites, polar opposites in Christianity in regards to money today. There's what's called prosperity theology. That says if you're rich, it proves you're holy. And then there's poverty theology, which says if you're poor, then you're holy. Which one do you think is more popular in Santa Maria? Poverty, because we're all poor. That's how that works. Rich people think they're, they're rich because they're holy. Poor people think they're poor because they're holy. God says, you're all wicked. You're, you're, you're all wicked. Okay. If you think, I mean, seriously, if you think poverty is it, it's attainable, okay? You can be poor. You can get there very easily. But according to Scripture, poverty and wealth, that is not the issue. That is never meant to be the issue. It is wickedness and righteousness. You have a Bible. Open to the book of Proverbs. 
I'm going to be very nice to you this morning. I'm going to go, a lot of stuff's going to be in Proverbs this morning. And so you can flip around and stuff and try and keep up. It'll be great. But turn to Proverbs 22, 2. There are righteous rich and righteous poor, and there are wicked rich and wicked poor. It is not a money issue. It is a God issue. Proverbs 22, 2 says this. Oh, I'll wait till you get there. Psalms, Proverbs, right next to it. Okay. Uh, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The issue is God. Love and obedience of God. Period. That, that's it. Love and obedience of who God is. Some people are in poverty today because they have tough circumstances and they refuse to lie and cheat to get ahead. Some are in poverty because of sin. They won't work, they do drugs, they're lazy, they're unambitious. I have a lot of sympathy on the righteous poor, the underpaid guy who works a ton of hours to make ends meet. I have no sympathy on the unrighteous poor, the guy who's too lazy to work and acts like a victim all the time. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make a man poor. Lazy. Proverbs 19.15 Laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless man goes hungry. Some men are hungry because they sleep too much and they need to get their butt out of bed. Get out of bed and go get a job. And go get a job. Proverbs 28.19 He who works his land will have abundant food but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. These are people always chasing the get-rich-quick scheme trying to find the shortcut. Many times those people, you will go hungry. We are to learn that we work well and work hard. And so when we do that and we do get a paycheck, we can help those who have legitimate needs around us. Men who haven't heard on the job, widows, orphans, but men who drink too much and are lazy, no sympathy. I, I got sympathy for their families, not really for them so much. Then you have the righteous poor. Uh, the Apostle Paul says he knows what it's like to be hungry. Is that because he was unrighteous? No, it's because he was righteous. Because he's righteous. Proverbs 15, 16. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. You know, some of us, God leaves the way we are because he knows if we had a ton of money, it would ruin us. We'd spend it all on beer and Slurpees and lotto tickets. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 8. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Sometimes you could make a little bit more in your life, but you'd be breaking the law. So you don't. It is better to be poor than be wicked. Proverbs 28.6, better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. See, just because you have long hair, you won't wear shoes and don't bathe, doesn't make you like Jesus. Hey, Jesus, he, worked, he was poor, but he worked hard and he worked well, and he died for the work of redeeming the world. He worked hard and well. Now, there are also unrighteous rich people. Uh, this is like Pharaoh. We talked about the whole series through empire. This is Pharaoh, unrighteous rich, stole people's lives, used them as slaves. That is unrighteous. Proverbs 11:16. A kind-hearted woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Some people are rich because they are mean and violent. We call this the mafia. Bang! Oh, okay. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Some people are wealthy because they neglect everything in their lives. They don't eat with their family. They don't involve themselves with their children. They don't give or participate in their church. All they do is work, work, work. And they may have money in their pocket, but their souls are withering away and living in poverty. Proverbs 28.8 He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest and masses it for another, who will be kind to the poor? This is charging more than something that you should. Okay? Uh, the Bible doesn't teach against interest. It teaches against exorbitant interest. Uh, don't raise your hand if this is you, but if you ever use one of those check cashing places where it's like a week before my paycheck and I need gas money, I want to get my paycheck early. Uh, if they, they charge you interest, okay? Uh, and, and if you were to amortize that over a year, most check cashing places, it equals out to 200% a year. Gouge. It's 
how that works. Some people are rich because they're evil and they're still. Some people are rich because they're blessed by God. Job, Abraham. I have a friend who actually has a lot of money, and they are godly, and they constantly give it away, and God keeps giving them more. Uh, Proverbs 10.22, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. When God gives you money, no trouble. The wicked get money, and it's all trouble all the time. Look at half the people who win the lotto. You know, it's like, oh, you know, and then I bought this. We're going to talk about this next week a little bit, actually. You know, and their lives just kind of fall apart around them. Proverbs 11.24, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refuses refreshes others will himself be refreshed. God blesses some people because they know how to be generous and they know how to give it away. The issue is never rich or poor. The issue is righteous versus unrighteous, holy versus unholy. The homeless guy, as well as the person in the multi-million dollar home in Montecito, they both need Jesus. So my advice for you is you make what you can and give away from what you can. And I also pray that, that the money in the world actually go into the hands of God's people so it could be distributed in the right way. So the rest of this morning, we're going to talk about a very practical subject, work. Work. You know, how, how you can make some money, how you can work hard and work well, very practically. Um, I actually, I, I kind of do this a little bit because maybe I can whittle down my counseling load by some of you guys that want to talk. Actually, one, the first came up to me after first service, and they go, I was going to call you and want to talk to you this week, and, and you just told me to, what I needed to know. And I'm like, see, I'm whittling down my counseling load just by telling you guys this. So, so this is wonderful. Um, we're going to talk about some bizarre myths. Uh, that have been perpetrated by Christians in regard to work. And I will tell you this this morning. You, you will have the propensity to want, to want to say, well, that wasn't a very good message. You know, I didn't feel very spiritually lifted up. Again, physical and spiritual, hand in hand. The Jews didn't even have a word for spiritual because it was all one life. There is not your physical and your spiritual separated. It is one thing. And so this morning, we're going to be very practical. You might even be surprised at some of the stuff that Scripture talks about in regards to work. So you ready? Okay, myth number one. Work is only what you get paid to do. That's a myth. Okay? If you're a student, that is your work. And you are to work hard and work well. You, you may, you're not getting paid, you're actually paying, but it's still your work. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that's work. You don't get paid, you work more than 40 hours a week, it's a hard job. You're a kid and you have chores that your parents have you do. You mow the lawn, clean your room, do the dishes, that's, that's your work. You're supposed to do it hard and well, even if you don't get paid. Work is what you do. If you volunteer your time somewhere, that, that is work. You, you, some people are like, oh, I'm not going to volunteer. I, I, I don't get paid to do this stuff, so I'm, I'm not going to go do that. I, I used to work at a church, and if you, if you wanted someone to do a wedding for you, you would go to the front office, they would charge you this thing, and, and you'd have to pay. Here, now that I get to call some of the shots, and not all, but a few of them, I don't charge anybody for weddings. I, I, will, I will go and I will do your wedding and there you go. I, I just love being a part of your lives. I think it's great and wonderful. Sometimes people give me something for doing it and that's great. Gas money is wonderful, especially when I'm going to drive in the middle of nowhere, but gas money is great. Uh, but I don't charge anything for weddings because it's work. It's, 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 my, it's, it's my offering to God. I don't expect something for it. That's work is not only what you get paid to do. Work is everything that you do, so you do it all well, myth number two, work is a necessary evil. Some people say, oh, too bad we got to work. Must be God's punishment. He must really hate us. <laughs> no, okay? Work was given before the fall. God works. Work was actually one of God's gifts to us. It's a gift to us, and we need to see it like that. Now, because of the curse and the fall, everything is a little bit harder. I get that. But God made us to work. Now, how many days a week uh, in the Bible did they work? 
six, and they arrested on the seventh day. We want that backwards, right? We want to arrest six and work one and have a six-figure income. That's what we all want. I will tell you this. Uh, you know, playing the lotto and robbing banks are not viable careers. Okay, that's stuffing envelopes at home. You're probably not going to get rich doing it. See, the, the reason we're supposed to work hard is that you get that one day of rest, or in our case, two days of rest on Saturday and Sunday for some of you, and you're supposed to be like, wow, this is rest. This feels good. And you praise the God of creation because you worked hard and well, and he gives you a day to enjoy all the stuff. I mean, that's, that is why he gives people the Sabbath, so they will have time to actually rest. Number three. Uh, myth three, it would be great if Christians didn't have to work. Sometimes I heard Christians say this, oh, so we can do more evangelism. I will tell you, only Christians think that, okay? Only Christians think that it's terrible that Christians have to work. I want to dedicate my life to spiritual things. Freeloading is not biblical. I just know this guy, okay? I, I got lots of stories. He, he doesn't go here. It's none of you. Don't be offended. Okay, uh, I, I, this guy. And he's 19, 20 years old. God's calling me into ministry. And so he would go from house to house and like freeload off people and live like two months here and two months there and two months there. And finally, these people are like, what is going on? He never felt like he had to work because he was going to go into ministry and, and work. And so eventually these people are like, let's take up an offering, buy some weapons and beat this guy because he needs to, to grow up a little bit. But some, some people feel like that. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2.24 and 25 says this, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? God made us to work, so we work. Work is supposed to be very rewarding. It is not bad to work. It is good. Christians should work, especially if you're young and you're single. Work hard. Work a lot. I mean, if you got like, like if you're a guy and you got a girl and you want to marry her, save some money so you can buy her a nice ring. Right, ladies? Yes. If you're a girl, you know, in, in America today, uh, the people with the highest debt are women 18 to 30 years old. Okay? So, ladies, don't go into debt. And so when you marry this guy, he's not like, oh, crap, I got to pay for you and your million shoes. You know, you, you, <laughs> you go and, and, and you don't go into debt and you, and you figure this out. You, Okay, myth number four, people should never go hungry. Ooh, yes, Proverbs 16, 26, the laborer's appetite works for him, his hunger drives him on. Sometimes hunger will make somebody work. You're skinny, your pants are falling off, a cheeseburger looks really, really good. I, I got a bunch of bad stories, once again, nobody in here, so don't be offended. Okay, whatever. Um, I know a guy, lived at home into his 40s, uh, not like taking care of his mom, but his mommy was taking care of him. Mom comes and talks to me, and she says, she goes, I'll get to somebody. Like, I go, kick him out. Oh, he doesn't have a job. I go, he'll get one. <laughs> he'll get hungry, and he will go find a job. I've been out to lunch with this guy. I never buy him lunch because I'm biblical. <laughs> Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. Starvation for some people can be biblical. If, just because you're poor doesn't mean people give you free stuff. There are legitimate needs, and then there's the lazy, crazy crackheads, okay? There's, but there's a difference, okay? Legitimate needs. Myth number five, there are Christian and non-Christian jobs, okay? That's a myth. Well, I actually thought about this a little more, and I thought, well, maybe there are non-Christian jobs. You know, like, uh, you know, crack dealer, hitman, prostitute, meth lab owner, <laughs> singer and a boy band, you know, <laughs> all those things. But most jobs, most jobs are biblically acceptable. Uh, musician, fishing, farming, textiles, education, politics, parenting, law, military. Which one, of the, which one of those is the Christian job? All of them. All of them are the Christian job. What makes it a Christian job is the person working the job, doing it the right way. 
you and how you work the job. If a Christian isn't working it right, it's not biblical. They need to work it right. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do, whether in word or a deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So whatever you can do, anything, God's fine with it. God's fine with it. I think God is more concerned about how you do something. If you sweep floors, you sweep floors the best that you can. If you're a doctor, you're the best doctor you can be. God's will is not this tiny little dot that you've got to find. If you don't find it, oh, you're just screwed up. Your whole life's gone. That's not how it works. God's will is direction. Serve, love, glorify. If you go to the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve, and they're in this garden. And what can they do in the Garden of Eden? Anything. What is God's will? Anything except dishonor God. That's the one thing. Don't dishonor me and everything else. Fair game. And what did they do? They dishonored God. But the whole thing of God's, God's will is serve, love, glorify. I know college kids after college kids are always freaked out. Which, I don't know what to do. I've got to find that one little thing and find out what that is and, and get that right. And let me ask you, how many here have a degree of some sort? Okay. All right. Now, how many of you are actually working in the field of that degree? Okay. Some of you are. Some of you aren't. What, that's what happens. Economies reinvent themselves a lot. You might get a degree. That field might disappear. The horse and buggy industry, at one time, that was booming. Okay? Not, not anymore. Some guy got rich on Betamax and 8-track tapes. And, and if he is still doing Betamax, he's starved to death by now because economies move on. You serve God. You love God and do whatever He calls you to do, but you do it all to His glory. All to His glory. Myth number six. I must sit and wait for God to tell me what to do. All right, here you go. Work. God told you to go to work. You know, some people think that God's going to show up and go, John, be a rock star. This is Jesus. You know, and, and some people laugh because they live their life like that. If, honestly, you, you've got to figure out, you know, what you feel called to, but also what you're good at. You know, if you think you want to be an engineer, but you aren't good with numbers, for the love of God, find something else to do. Don't build something people are going to drive on or go inside. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a doctor or you want to be a doctor and, and like ER makes you queasy and you pass out at Black Hawk Down, you know, if, that, if that's you, you know, don't be a doctor. If you want, oh, I really feel like God's calling me to be a lifeguard, but you're allergic to water? Don't be a lifeguard. Don't be a lifeguard. You've got to figure these things out. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you want to know what God wants out of your life? Read your Bible a lot. That's what you should do. If you want to be a mother or a farmer or an architect or a doctor or anything like that, you look at them in Scripture. Jesus, carpenter. How did he live his life? Do you think he, he ran his shop on time? Do you think he made good furniture? Do you think he cut corners? No, he was a great carpenter. You've got somebody like Peter. He was a fisherman. How do you think Peter ran his business as a fisherman? Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So my advice to you, if you're looking for something to do and you don't have a career yet, you talk to some people, get some counsel of people who are in If you want to be a doctor, talk to a doctor. If you want to be an engineer, talk to an engineer. Older teaching the younger. Don't go to school forever and then on the other side realize you know you don't like what you're doing. Talk to some people about it. And then you may say, well, you know, but sometimes God did tell people what he wanted them to do. Yes, sometimes God did do that. You got Paul, you got David, you got Sam, you got Noah. I think Noah's, Noah's a funny case. It's like God's like, be a boat builder. And Noah's like, this is meaningless. I live in the desert. I want to be a ministry. And I'm sure God's like, oh, it'll be a ministry. Trust me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Make it a good boat. You know, it, these, these things are highly unusual. 
highly unusual. Moses is a special case. I don't think God's going to show up to you and say, all right, I want you to go pump gas and sell oil in a can and tell them I am sent you. You know, I, that's probably not what God's going to do. You know, it's one of my first jobs, by the way. Uh, but that can be a Christian job. Special calls are not normal. People say, well, Moses got his call. Why don't I get mine? Because you're not Moses. Okay, you're not Moses. Most people who got special calls, they would trade with you in a heartbeat. Look at Jonah, swallowed by a whale, puked up on a beach, go to a place you don't even like. And you're like, oh, sure, I'll trade with you. He would have traded with any of you. These, these special calls in people's lives, they, they are not normal. You know, most of you will just live a job, live a life, work a job, work hard. That's what God calls you to do. Myth number seven, I want to be in ministry, so I shouldn't waste my time working a job. I've had young guys say this to me a lot. You know, I would work, but I want to serve the Lord. That's an unbiblical view. I am convinced that many people who think that they want are called to full-time ministry are not, you know, because they're weird and they will screw everything up. You know, if you read the Bible and you think you're going to be Paul, you're not, okay? Most of us are not going to be president. If you are, that'd be awesome, okay? You're not going to be rich or famous. Most of us will work lots of hours, buy crappy furniture at Ikea where they give you that nasty little tool in the box you've got to put things together with. You know, that'll be most of us. And we will simply love Jesus. That's what we'll do. Not all of us are going to be go- well, not all of us are going to go global. You know, you should work your job, love your spouse, serve in your community, serve in your church, and your influence at that point will then go out in subtle ways, and it will touch the world around you. You know, I actually heard some guys say, "I want to go into full-time ministry so I can have time to study." And I think, do I sit? Do you think I sit around and read all day? I mean, I, I I actually have 30 books right now. I'm trying to finish reading by the end of the year. I usually read those before nine and after six. Okay, uh, this, this was actually a slow week for me, and I, and I think I worked about 55 hours this week. And it's a slow week. I mean, this, I mean if, if you think, oh, I, I, I want to go into ministry so I have time to study, if you can't work a 40-hour-a-week job plus read your Bible, you're probably not fit for ministry. Because ministry is hard when it's done right, when it's done right. You know, if we're going to hire someone new to, to work here, it's probably not going to be the guy who went to the Christian school and the Christian seminary and now wants to be in Christian ministry because they have no idea what ministry is. Ministry is you guys and your social networks and your work and your neighborhood and your homes touching people's lives with the love of Christ. That's ministry. If I had someone work here that never you know, worked a job, didn't have a decent marriage, why would I put them in church ministry? I'll talk about James for a second here. Uh, and he'll be like, what? Yeah, he doesn't know I'm going to do this. But when I, when I worked at another church, before James ever worked for me in that other place, he had two to three jobs. He went to school and he volunteered for me. So when we started Element, I'm like, I want you because he knows how to work. Now, are Christian schools and, and seminaries, are they bad? Not at all. But if they never learn how to work, then that is bad. Uh, one of the qualifications for a pastor is this, 1 Timothy 3.7, He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Part of that means you've got to somehow be working outside the church at some point to connect with people. Most of our elders, they don't get paid. I mean, I, I think that God will call people out of jobs to do Ministry. That's what he does throughout all the Old Testament scriptures. Amos, he's a farmer, and God goes, Amos, do this thing. Jonah, we don't know what Jonah was doing before he got called to be this prophet. It's not like the veggie tales where Jonah's in the prophet business. You know, Jonah's working some job, and God's all, Jonah, do this. What? Really? Me? And, and he's got to go, and he's got to go do that thing. You know, special calls, as I said, are not normal. And if you most people work outside, God calls them into full-time ministry. Jesus was a carpenter 30-plus years. Was that a waste of his time and his life? Did God not have better things to do? No, he was working his job, made nice tables and nice chairs. Jesus was doing spiritual things. By working his job well, he was preaching the good news. You've got to look at your job that way. 
Everything you do preaching the good news of the gospel. Good employees show themselves qualified for ministry. We don't make pastors. God does. Myth number eight. You should use your time at work to do evangelism. It's a myth. Okay? Maybe by how you live your life, you know, in that, but not by shirking your responsibilities. Now, don't raise your hand, but any of you ever work with somebody or, or know somebody who's a Christian and never does any work at their job because they're too busy trying to save people? Huh? Crazy. Exodus 20, 15. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. If you're getting paid to do a job and you're not doing it, you're stealing. We call that sin. Okay? That's sin. Sometimes, you know, maybe something good will happen out of that, and so you justify, you know, because your sin because of these good results. But that's only because God is gracious, and sometimes He does something miraculous out of your stupidity. Don't think it is your wickedness bringing results. Now, I talk to a lot of people, and, and a lot of times when I talk to non Christians, the thing that bugs them the most is they hate when they've got to work with Christians because they don't do their job half the time. I know this kid, he was a bag boy at a grocery store. And all the non-Christians, they're all mad at him because he's the Christian kid. And every time he takes stuff to people's cars, he'd be gone half an hour. You know what he's doing? Dropping the gospel. If you knew, if you died tonight, you know where you're going to go. Can I have my ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> in a minute, in a minute, do you know where you're going to go? You know, I'll give it to you when I get a profession of faith out of you. That, that's stealing. Makes everyone mad. Yeah, what are you doing? God's called me to do more important things. Like, no. God has told you to push a rickety piece of steel with somebody's grocery in it to a car and unload it. That's what God told you to do. It's not a good witness basically telling everybody that works for him, sorry, I can't do the job I'm paid for. It's Jesus' fault. You know, that's, that's stupid. If God, our God isn't putting groceries in people's cars, they're all going to want to be atheists because atheists will put the groceries in their car. <sighs> this, this whole morning's my soapbox, I think. Uh, you know. <laughs> Honestly, if that's what you want, quit your job, hang out in the parking lot, okay? Don't take the company's money to do your evangelism, even to the young, hot, cute, unmarried ones, okay? This guy got fired from his job. But if you get paid to work, you work. If you want a witness, invite somebody to church. Invite them over to your house for dinner. Take some of your time and effort and spend some time with people, not the companies. Myth number nine, this is the last one. Uh, once I choose a job, I cannot change it. Some people are so afraid to take a job because they think they can never change it, so they never do anything. In 1 Corinthians 7.21, Paul says, if you're a slave and you can buy your freedom, then do it and move on. I mean, you may be underemployed now. You may be in a dead-end job, not a career. You may, you may think things like, why should I work hard at this job? I, I, I hate it. You know, I wear a uniform. People yell at me through a clown. I'm, I'm not happy with this. Okay? <laughs> I know it stinks. I do. But God has you there to instill a work ethic in you. So you're up for the next task. When the next task comes along, that's what you do. Okay? But you always work hard where you are, so your character will grow. You don't be motionless. Be faithful in what God has given you, and you move forward. Do you see how practical Scripture is? You're like, wow, oh, my goodness. I had a lady this morning who goes, I was so convicted. I wanted to quit my job. I didn't think it was spiritual. She goes, now I know. I go, go back and do your job. <laughs> now, I'll do this really quickly. I'm going to give you some principles for work. I'll do this really quick. Uh, the first one is this, business ethics. Proverbs 11.1 says, The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. What this means is if you own a business, you're fair. Okay, you're to be fair. If you're a contractor, you keep honest records. You work six, you bill six. That's how it works. If you have an estimate, you know, and you stick to it. If a job's going to take six, but people want it in four, you don't say four and then overbill for the other two. You just do the job, okay? If you're a mechanic, you know, and you know it's going to cost $1,200, you don't quote eight, tear apart the car and say, oh, we found some stuff, and uh, it's going to cost more than we thought. You live up to your word. You don't skirt the lie. You don't skim off the top. You don't overbill. God hates that. 
Work with skill. It's like, wow, that is so practical. Yes, it is. Work with skill. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. So you work well. You show up on time. You've got to put on a uniform. You don't clock in and then go put on the uniform unless they tell you that's okay. God says you work hard, you work well, and you will do well. I mean, I don't know about you, but for a long time, I would kill for a good mechanic. I think I finally found one. The, the week I was writing this message, my, my truck broke down again, because it's always breaking down, piece of junk that it is. So my, my truck broke down, and I, and I tow it, get it towed down there, and he goes, it's going to cost 150 bucks. I'm like, ah, oh, 150 bucks. So I, I haven't fixed it. I got the bill. You know what the bill was? 148.96. I'm like, you're like Jesus. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. If you're a mom, you'd be the best mom you can be. If you're an artist, you'd be the, you're the best artist you can be. If you're an accountant, you're the best accountant you can be. If you're a salesman, you're the best salesman you can be. Have you ever watched the Antiques Roadshow? Okay, it's, a, it's a show, probably on like public broadcast. I don't know, something crazy like that. Uh, yeah, PBS. And so what happened is, is people, you, you'll go through all your junk in the garage, and you'll find this something that you're like, oh, I wonder if this is worth something. You take it down, they look at it, and they tell you if it's worth anything. Uh, there, there is this one person, and they brought in the 1700s pocket watch. And so they're talking about the exterior. It's really nice. And you open up the inside and all the numbers. It's, it's really cool. Then this is what the guy does that's appraising. He turns it over, pops open the back. And inside the back where all the gears are, something you would never see, it is gold. It's inlaid with birds and sunsets. And the guy puts his name in there. All in a place where no one would ever see. And our watches aren't going to be here in 30 years, much less 300, right? And, and this guy, 300 years later, they're still talking about him on TV. And you know what he did? Because he was so good, he started to make watches for kings and royal courts because he was good at what he did. Working right will build your business. Working right will make your business get found because word of mouth is still the best. Uh, next one is work hard with your hands. Proverbs 12, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. When you get a good skill, you, you, you keep working on it. I have a friend, her name is Michelle Combs. She sings right here. Okay. And Michelle's a nurse. And she is forever going to conferences and taking classes and figuring, st- just taking her skill farther and farther and farther. Because, I mean, honestly, if you, if you go and you want a nurse, you want a good nurse. You don't want like, what is this? This looks, where do I stick this? You, know, you, don't, you don't want a nurse like that, okay? You want someone that goes, flash number, boom. Okay, now we're going to stick this thing in your heart and keep you alive. You're like, thank God I got a good nurse. You know, that, that's what you want. She works hard. I, I read this story about this guy. He's a pastor. And, and he stays at a church two years and moves on because he's written two years of sermons. So every two years, he finds another church and he moves to it. So he can go play golf. That's sin, okay? That is sin. They might be better than this message, but, you know, they're still sin, okay? Uh, next one is you pay what something is worth. Pay what something is worth. Anybody go garage selling? Anybody? All right. This, this is for you. Proverbs 20, verse 14. It's no good. It's no good, says the buyer. That's a piece of junk. Then he goes off and boasts about his purchase. Ah! So you go up to somebody at a garage, and they got like 10 bucks on something. You're like, oh, that's a piece of junk. I'll, I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you a quarter for it. And you just wear them down and wear them down until you get it for like a dollar. And then you go home and you go, hey, look at this. I bought it for a dollar. It's worth 50. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's, like, it's like going to a car dealership. You got to love them. You know, it's like trading your car. Oh, we'll give you 38.50 for your car. It's a 2009 Escalade. Okay, 50 bucks. You know, we'll give you 50 bucks for that car. Am I saying you should pay full price? No. But what I am saying is that what, find out what you're willing to pay for something, and then you tell them, and don't disrespect people or the item. My wife and I had a Honda a few years ago that we were selling. 
and I, I put in like Craigslist and the photo ad, and eventually I get this one call, and this guy shows up in his minivan, and he and his family get out, and the wife and the kids, they go over, and they have this picnic over here. I'm like going, this is really weird, okay? And so he goes over, and he starts looking at the car, and he pulls out this poker, and he's poking things. Every time he finds something, he goes, come here. I'm like, what? And he's all, look at this. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Don't buy it. Go away. You know, and, and I seriously, hours, he drives it around, comes back, pokes some more stuff. I was asking 12.5. I would have taken 10.5 for it. But every time, okay, I'll give you seven. I'm all, no, you won't. Oh, okay, he goes back, pokes it. Did you see this? Yeah, okay, I'll give you eight. I'm like, no, you won't. You know, poke, 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 poke. Eventually, I didn't sell him the car. I wouldn't do that to the car, you know. I was just like, I'm not selling you anything. So eventually, uh, in the end, there's this other guy that came up uh, that, that someone introduced us to, a really nice guy, and I actually sold him the car for less than $10,000 because he was honest, told me what he had, and he was a really nice guy. You know, what you do, Proverbs says you don't lie. If you have $10 and they want 40 you offer the 10 and you don't trash talk. See how practical Scripture is? You're like, I didn't even know that was in there. It is. I'll give you two together. You take care of your boss. 20, Proverbs 27, 18. Proverbs 26, 13 says you'd be a good employee. You don't make excuses. You show up on time. You do your job. You do your job. Open to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 2. If you're in Proverbs, it's the book to the right. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. In all of these things, okay, you find a way to put meaning into your work. Okay? Ecclesiastes 2.22 says this. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days are work, all, all of his, all his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. Solomon, at a place in his life, loses all perspective on who God is and this life. He forgot about God. But in the end, he realizes that all life is a gift from God. And in verse 24, he says, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? We need to find enjoyment in the work God gives us to do because God finds meaning in his work. And this is the last thing I'll tell you this. In all of this, you must remember this. You work for Jesus. You work for Jesus. Colossians 3.23 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Your paycheck may have your company name on it, but you work for Jesus. If your boss doesn't see something, Jesus does. So you work hard and work well. Okay? Sometimes work is hard, but with due diligence, in the end, it was God who brings satisfaction out of it. It is by God's grace you are what you are. All work gets done by God's grace and our hard work. Both. Work and this grace, in this instance, they will go hand in hand. It is God's grace that enables us to work. 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Apostle Paul says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. We are called to be a people who work hard and work well, and when you work hard and work well, you will eventually get stuff. And when you get that stuff, you figure out how you can bless other people with it simply because you are working hard and well. And if other people around you are not working hard and well, you work hard and well anyway. It's what you do. Again, this morning, very practical, very practical, but Scripture is practical. How you work is deeply a part of your spiritual life. You're called to work hard and work well. Every Sunday, I bring you guys to the place of communion. You know why? Communion is Jesus' work, and he did it well to save you and I. And so when you come this morning and you break that cracker and you, that represents his body which is broken for us and you dip it in that wine or that grape juice, you remember, Jesus worked hard. He worked well so that we could have redemption. And so we work hard and well too because our God is a God who values that. The band's going to come up. 
And then we do a couple songs. And we will, we'll sing some of these songs about how, how God is our everything in my living and working and sleeping and waking. Every part of everything that we do, God is to be deeply involved in every part of all that we do. We're going to worship God through giving. There's an offering box on the side wall and in the very back. And we give simply because God gave so much to us. And giving back to Him is part of our worship. Uh, there'll be some deacons and elders in the back of the room if you want to worship God through prayer. Maybe you've like... I never knew how I was supposed to work. I thought I was supposed to freeload. Well, good. Get up and go pray with them because they would love to pray with you and help you design this type of work ethic. Uh, you know, and, and lastly, we're going to worship God through fellowship. There's still some food in the back and some coffee before we go over to baptisms, which you're all going to come because you're all going to hang out and fellowship with each other. Okay? All right. Don't, don't get all excited now or anything. Um, because, you know, also part of our worship is helping each other on that path. I, I've been saying this the last few weeks with you. Hopefully you're in a small group of some sort or you have some very close friends. And maybe you could ask these friends that question or maybe they could ask you this question. How are you working? How are you working? Are you working hard? Are you working well? Are you doing it right? Are, is the way you work bring honor and glory to who God is? I mean, because those are all very good questions and questions we need to answer because our God is a practical God. As well as taking care of our spiritual needs, God takes care of our physical as well. And we need to be a people who work hard and work well especially in regard to our stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God that loves us the way that you do, for being a God that reveals such practical things in Scripture, you know, things that we wouldn't even think about, garage sales and things like that. God, you are a God who deeply knows us. And so this morning, as you, as you speak to each one of our hearts, as you, as you touch us in ways that, that we don't even comprehend, I ask that we would be laid bare before you. That your hand would be strong upon us. And that our hearts and lives would in turn focus upon who you are. And we would be examples to those around us. That we would work hard, we would work well, we would love you in such a way that the world knows who you are. By our work. By how we take care of the stuff that you've given us. Have us be your kids that rise up and honor your name. Have us realize that, that our life is completely integrated outside and inside. And to live for your purposes, we are in this place. Thank you for calling us home. Amen.